I thought it was very interesting this morning. I was listening to you sing under his wings. And I looked at my paper in front of me and I read the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. Of the Almighty, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And it goes on and says, he will cover you with his feathers and you will take refuge under his wings. So I want to share with you this morning about the, uh, under the subject of under his wings. There are two things that I want to share with you on, and of course this is under his wings, will be the will be the major thought that we'll share together. But the other thought is very different from that, and that is the word invasion. So we'll talk about those two things and bring those two things together. So let me read this, Psalm 91. It's relatively short. It contains an enormous amount of information for us. It's essential that we understand the truth that it conveys to us not to misappropriate or misapply, but to properly apply the truth that is contained in this psalm. So let's read it, and then we'll comment on it. The one who lives or abides under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers, and you will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you, no plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the young lion and the serpent. Because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. And I will satisfy him with a long life, and show him my salvation. Psalm 91, all 16 verses. So as we assemble this morning, the world is being visited with a pestilence, it's being visited with something that is invading people's physical bodies. And the world is in a state of great alarm and concern and business and commerce and travel is being disrupted. And all kinds of changes are occurring within the social order. Various ways in which we look at this pestilence, this great disturbance, we call it a virus, is named uh, COVID-19. It is called an RNA virus. And I didn't bring, I could have brought a bunch of videos and different things 
I haven't brought any of those things. I want to see if we can, in a very simple way, talk about this without doing injury to the subject, without misleading anything, but to talk about it in very simple terms. It is an RNA virus, and that means, basically, very simply put, it is a virus that has information within it. It carries information. It is surrounded by S proteins, and these are protrusions, and so it bears the name of coronavirus because it looks like a crown. It looks as if it's surrounded by something that resembles a crown because of the protrusions, but those are proteins, and those are called S proteins. These proteins not only protrude, but they go right into the very center of the cell itself, or the virus itself. Now, these are invasive in the sense that they can't damage anyone, they can't harm anyone. If you were to um, travel through an airport, or if you were to touch a shopping cart, or if you were to receive this virus on your hands somehow, and then you were to wash your hands, then those little protrusions around the outside of that virus would be damaged. Therefore, that was like a key, and that would be damaged, and it would be unable to actually dock with your cells. So if you used a hand sanitizer, if you used soap and water, and you hot water, and you rubbed your hands vigor vigorously, you would damage those basically... Um, S proteins that protrude, and when you do that, then that virus has no longer any ability to merge with your or dock with one of your cells. And there is uh, the risk. So the idea is that this virus, this COVID-19 virus, RNA meaning it carries information, what it seeks to do, it seeks to enter into one of your cells and basically then communicate with the information within your cells so that it actually becomes responsible for what your cells do in terms of what it produces because the cells produce according to the information within the cell. It changes the information within your cell. And so our cells have what they have receptors and these are called ACE2 receptors. They're also proteins. The S protein on the virus happens to fit perfectly with the ACE2 receptors on our cells. And when that happens, then the virus becomes a part of the cell itself. Then the RNA information inside the virus then merges with the RNA inside information inside our cell and changes. There's a change that occurs so that what is produced by the cell is virus, other virus is produced. So this is an invasion. This is an invasion. And it's not unlike the kind of invasion that's happening in the social order because there are parallels. Everything has a parallel. What happens in the natural realm has corresponding parallels in the spiritual realm. For example, I would suggest to you this morning, and I'm not writing a book on this, but I'll just touch on this very briefly. I would suggest to you that uh, the way in which Islam or Islamism takes over a society is that it carries information. And it comes into a society with the information that it contains and it's very much in the minority. But what it seeks to do is it seeks to form alliances within the society that it merges with 
It seeks to bind with. It seeks to dock with the society that it enters. When it does that, it seeks to form alliances and the alliances it is forming within various social structures within Western society. I'll tell you the the social structures it's binding with. It's binding with the liberal progressive structures. That's what it's binding with. And you say that's very unusual because there doesn't seem to be any real similarity between the two, but there is an alliance now that is being formed and has been for some time between Islamism and liberal progressive social structures. These are merging together so that the information within Islam is finding a place in which it might change and alter the society from within using liberal progressivism as a host. And when it does that, of course, it becomes almost overnight, it becomes influential in the society of 50% or more of the society. If we were to take some time and draw the comparison between the two, a napped comparison could be drawn between the way in which Islamism changes societies in which it enters and the way in which this virus changes the body into which it enters. There are parallels between the two. I just mentioned that in passing. Let's come back to Psalm 91. The one who lives. This is not visiting. This is living. This is abiding under the protection of the Most High. And he dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I think it's very important for us not to, draw, not to say, well, I'm just going to claim Psalm 91. Claiming Psalm 91 just saying, I'm going to claim Psalm 91. That does not mean that the merits and the truth of Psalm 91 is operative in the life of the person who says, I'm just going to claim Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is instruction. Psalm 91 deals with the way in which we should live, the way we live our lives. It talks about abiding under the protection of the Most High. It means living according to the purpose of the Lord. It means following his will for our lives. It means not being reckless in the way we live our lives and in what we do. And as we read through this, I think there are examples that appear. Again, it says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from destructive plague. All these are true. All this is true. But again, it's all predicated on this abiding under the protection of the Most High, living there, getting up in the morning there, abiding there during the day, going to sleep there at night under the protection of the Most High. He will cover you with His feathers and you will take refuge under His wings. It's a place of safety and security. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. And you will not fear the terror of the night and the arrow that flies by day. This is a place where fear does not enter into the life of the person who is abiding here under the protection of the Most High. Fear has no place. But recklessness has no place. 
the plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. None of this will have any effect or dominance over the one who abides there. Though a thousand fall at your side. In other words, you may have, to the person who abides under the protection of the Most High, they may find themselves in very, very dangerous circumstances situationally. And it says, even though a thousand would fall at your side. And 10,000 at your right hand. That's a lot of calamity. That's a lot of carnage going on around. It says the pestilence will not reach you. Why not? What makes you so special? You're not so special. It's You're ab- abiding in a special place. You're not special. The laws of nature apply to you as well. Your cells are not changed. You still have ACE2 receptors. The virus still has S proteins, these things that fit perfectly into the ACE2 receptors. Just like a lock, or a key fits into a lock. Perfect fit. But what makes it special is, and what the promise pertains to, is the place in which we dwell. What does it mean to dwell there? It means to walk according to his purpose, walk according to his will. Somebody says, well, that, well how do you explain then that sometimes calamitous things happen to people and I know of all kinds of circumstances where someone fell ill to something and died or, or how do you explain all these things and they served the Lord and they committed themselves entirely to the Lord just, let me give you an little example I think this is an example between Peter and John and there came a conversation with Jesus the, after his resurrection And he spoke to Peter pertaining to Peter's death. And he told him what would happen to him when he became older. And how that he would be bound and how he would be taken according to the will of others and not his own. And it says in the scripture, according to John, that he said this with regard to the death with which uh, Peter would die. But not only that, it says he said that with regard to the death with which Peter would glorify God. Glorify God by his death. Our lives are to glorify God. And our deaths are to glorify God. Now that doesn't mean that everyone dies at the same time under the same circumstances. John would continue on because Jesus said, when Peter asked about John, what about his fate or future? And he said, basically, if it's my will that he remain until I come again, what is that to you? You serve me. But the idea is very clearly described by John. He said to Peter, this is the death by which he would glorify God. And I think we have to stop it for a minute and just look at things a little more carefully. We are called to walk according to the will of the Lord for our lives. We're not responsible for our own decisions without consulting with him. There's no promise that says you just do whatever you want and I will protect you. No matter where you go and what you decide to do, I will protect you. It's abiding in a certain place that the protection involves. And the protection involves is perfect as long as the person abides according to the will of the Lord and walks according to his will and his purpose. But that does not mean, as is the case of and the comparison between Peter and John, that everyone dies at the same time or everyone has the same kind of lifespan because they do not. 
Peter walked faithfully according to the will of the Lord until the very last day. And when the very last day came, his death was a violent death imposed upon him. And it would be very easy for people looking on from the side to say, I don't see God in any of this. But Jesus said that his death would glorify God. And it did. And so did the death of John under very different circumstances, entirely different circumstances. So I think the point we want to really focus on is the importance of walking according to the will of the Lord for us, for us, for you in your life, me in my life. What is his purpose for me? What does he want me to do? What does he give me permission to do? It may not be the same thing that he gives you permission to do. In this present moment where we're surrounded by an invasion and where we're experiencing this kind of invasion, I know that this is not that damaging to the young, apparently. I know that this is um, more severe on the older people. But what happens with the young is the young bring things to the older people. And so it's very serious. You could easily, if you're under a certain age, you could say, this is no big deal. This is not any different than the flu until your grandma or your grandpa's involved. And to them, it's a whole lot different than the flu, depending upon their overall health. I don't want to get into all of the intricacies of all of this because, let's face it, there's a lot we still do not know. And it isn't just COVID-19. Because there's a whole lineup of things coming down the pike that we haven't seen yet. This provides an opportunity for us to realize some things with regards to protection and walking under the shadow or the protection of the Most High. In a year or two or less, it may be something entirely different that we're dealing with. Now it goes on and says, Because you have made the Lord your refuge, my refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no harm will come to you, no plague will come near your tent. And then these words, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. And they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But wait a minute, I said, when I'm reading, I said, wait a minute. And you're thinking, wait a minute now. I remember those words from another place in scripture. And Matthew wrote, about, wrote these words and so did Luke. And these words were used by Satan. The scripture was used by Satan when Jesus was being tempted or tested in his 40-day fast. And Satan said, if you're the son of God, take yourself to the temple and to the big pinnacles of the temple and throw yourself down, cast yourself down. Because it's written, and Satan referred to this very passage. He said, it's written, he will give his angels charge concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Therefore, Satan is saying on the basis of this passage of Scripture, if you are the Son of God, then take yourself to the temple. Throw yourself off this high, this high place in the temple. And surely God will save you and protect you. And Jesus said, it's also written, do not test the Lord your God. Of course, he didn't do that because that's a reckless thing to do. There is no promise of protection for acting recklessly or acting outside of the will of God. That was not in the will of God. 
That was a suggestion of the adversary. Trying to use scripture to support a suggestion that God would not allow. But I'll give you another example of a circumstances of a circumstance of protection that came to the Lord Jesus Christ as he walked according to the will of his Father perfectly. And what applied to him also is what applies to his own, you, me, us. But don't go traveling someplace unless you have prepared yourself. And it's not just a question of traveling someplace. It's a question of the way in which our lives are ordered. It's not just about traveling. It's not just about this or that. It's a question of seeking his will with regards to our lives so that every day we know that we're walking according to his purpose for us. We haven't decided what we're going to do alone, but we have asked for his guidance and his leading, and we have made our decisions with regards to such things as travel and all kinds of things in our lives according to what he says, not according to what society says or anybody else says, but according to what he says. So is it possible to have that kind of guidance from the Lord? Absolutely, yes. Of course it is. Of course it is. And we need to cultivate that ability to communicate with him and receive his instructions about the things we decide to do. But as we walk according to his purpose, we will have that protection that Psalm 91 declares and speaks of. Luke also records in chapter 4 of his gospel, about verse 17, an example of Jesus going to Nazareth where he grew up. So he's going to his hometown. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he took the scroll of Isaiah and he read from Isaiah chapter 61. And we're familiar with that passage that Jesus read in the synagogue that day and he said this day, he closed it, gave it back to the superintendent or the presiding elder and he said uh, this day, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. There was one little part at the end he did not read. But what he read, said, what he, read he said, today has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then it goes on and it tells us that um, everyone looked around, you know, and they looked at him very intently and they spoke well of him because of the gracious words that he spoke. They said, isn't this Joseph's son, you know, and... They're all they're kind of predisposed to speak well of him. And then he continued to speak to them. And the words of the Lord always penetrate and they always expose our hearts. And so as he continued to speak to those people in Nazareth where he grew up, his words exposed what's inside their hearts and minds. He began to talk to them a little bit about Elijah. And about Elisha, he said in Elijah's time, there were many widows in Israel, but Elijah was not sent to any of the widows except to Sidon, Zarephath. And he was sent to a widow basically outside of Israel, and he wasn't sent to the widows within Israel. He said, Elisha, he was, uh, there were many lepers in Israel, but he wasn't sent to any of those, but he was sent to Naaman the Syrian. So there was ministry through Elijah to Naaman the Syrian. There was ministry through Elijah to a widow in Sidon, but not within Israel. 
And he said, doubtless you will say to yourself, why don't you do the works here in your hometown that you did in Capernaum? And as he's speaking this way to them, now their attitude towards him just changes. Why? Because he's exposing what's in their hearts. And the venom and the anger and the rage within them, their expectation, their own expectation, is confronted by his words. And they begin to despise him. Who does he think he is? You see? So now what they do is they decide, we're going to seize him, or we're going to take him to the precipice upon which our city is built. Nazareth is built on a precipice. There's a cliff. And they take him and they seize him and they take him towards this cliff and they're intending to hurl him off the cliff. See, Satan had said, you know, why don't you just demonstrate yourself to be the Son of God and go to the highest point in the temple and cast yourself off and and claim Psalm 91 and surely God will deliver you and that will be a great demonstration to everyone who you really are. And he said... It's also written you're not supposed to test the Lord your God. But now there these people that basically his friends and neighbors of his family and some of them people that he grew up with are going to hurl him off a cliff. He's walking in the very center of the Lord's will and purpose, of course, as he always did. Because he's God manifest in human flesh. And then this passage says, Passing through their midst, he went on his way. <laughs> I want to know so much more about that. But it, <laughs> it is so um, succinct and doesn't really tell us exactly a lot of things that we want to know. It says, passing through their midst. And remember, remember now, they have him, seized him, and they are ushering him, forcing him towards this precipice intending to throw him off. And it says in passing through, passing through their midst, he went on his way. And what that says is, that's Psalm 91. That's a fulfillment. He will give his angels charge concerning you to bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's a fulfillment of Psalm 91. The other would not have been. The other would have been reckless. The other would have been a demonstration. And I think the point, the teaching point that comes to us right now in this moment that we're all in, where there is all this concern that is around us, and some of it is genuine concern, reasonable concern. You can well see the result of this kind of virus being responsible as it continues to circulate, and it will continue to circulate for a period of time. And as it does, it will rapidly grow and expand it will triple and quadruple and it will every week you'll see the numbers at least double and you will see within many governing bodies within the world you'll see people who tend to be in the elderly bracket right now you have elections that are occurring in various parts of the world and it seems that the people who are contending for leadership are you know in their upper 70s and you know soon to be in their 80s so what is reasonable to expect just according to natural progression is that you will see in governing bodies, and I'm not going to point out any particular nation right now, 
But you will see within governing bodies, you'll see a complete culling, if you like. You'll see a transition take place because some of those are most vulnerable to this particular kind of invasion. And you could see about 50% or 60% of those individuals in these age brackets succumbing to this virus. That's reasonable to expect until this period of time expires. And how long that will be, we don't know. So this is going to have a tremendous impact. And yet at the same time, when it comes right down to the kind of damage it can do to the average healthy person, it's not that big a deal. You try to wrap your mind around those competing things. So I know those things. We all know those things. Those are, re- those are things that we do know. And the point we want to, uh, that the scripture leads us to and guides us to is uh, to abide uh, in, under the protection of the Most High, to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. And what does that mean? Entrusting ourselves entirely to him. Again, it says... Um, they will support you. That, that would be the angels will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the young lion and the serpent. Because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls, me, when he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation, which is my deliverance. I will show him my deliverance. Psalm 91. We have two thoughts then this morning. One is the importance of the idea of dwelling under his wings for our safety and security, which means being led and and being guided by his will with regards to our life and our decisions that we make. If we decide that we are in control of our own decision-making apparatus independently without consulting his will and his purpose fervently on a daily basis, then we'll take ourselves outside the protection of his wings by doing that. Now, we will be exposed like everyone else. The person who dwells under his wings is a person who deliberately, consciously, moment by moment, day by day, prays fervently with regards to his will and purpose. Does that mean that none of them will die? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that when they do, they will glorify God by their death. It won't be premature. Others may think it is, but it won't be. It will glorify God. We're called to glorify God by the way we live our lives. And when the time comes for our death, it's guaranteed that as we dwell under the protection of the Most High, we will glorify God by our death. Somebody might say, well, I find it difficult to see God being glorified by the death of whomever. They could have said that with regards to, with, with regards to Peter or Paul or any of the leaders of the early church. But if they would have said that, they would have been wrong because the result, the consequence of the death would result in the glory to God because of the influence that the death would have coupled with the life that had been lived 
on all those around. Tremendous encouragement to the early church, the death of the apostles. They signed the veracity of their gospel and of their words and of their witness was signed with the ink of their own blood, willingly. Even today, when debaters debate the authenticity of the gospel record, they cannot get past the importance of the willingness of the early church believers to go to martyrdom, to die for what they believed to be true. And that's the way it will be now. But to seek his will, to walk in his purposes, not just to make our own decisions. If someone has a decision to make with regards to a journey that they're to take, then it's reasonable for that person now to come before the Lord with regards to that and seek his will with regards to that. In some cases, his will will be that they do not go. In other cases, it will be his will that they do go. The protection. The point is to abide, remain, to live, continue to live under his protection. And that means living according to his will and his purpose and seeking it with regards to the, the decisions that we make. Life goes on. We are not, because of danger, we are not uh, obliged just to go into a cave and hide. Life will go on. But the important thing, and this is very, very important, it's absolutely essential. The important is do not be reckless. Don't climb up the pinnacles of a temple and throw yourself off. Don't be reckless with regards to these things. There's no protection outside of the will of the Lord. But inside his will, under his wings, there is the protection no matter what would happen to the left or the right side of you. It will not touch you if you're right in the center of his will. And when the time comes for you to leave this earth and to go to be with him, your death will glorify God. <laughs>